U.S. launched strikes in Iraq and Syria in retaliation for the deadly attack that killed three U.S. troops and injured dozens. Experts question the strike is not only late in coming, but doesn't address the perpetrator of the Middle East war, Iran. Lieutenant Colonel Sargis Sangari and former CIA Department of Defense Intelligence Del Wilbur talk about the political implications and how Iran is winning the war. And then the FBI Director Christopher Wray in his dramatic testimony to Congress this week said China's hackers are positioning on America's infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities. And if you're thinking about an electric vehicle, you'll want to listen to this next story on what it takes to make one battery and the children who are in forced labor camps to make them. Energy expert Ron Stein and Dr. Li Yang discuss the threat that is China. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm out loud here. And we're going to start, my fellow Americans, right in the center of the Middle East. Uh, As you see, the United States has uh, done some retaliatory strikes back. Uh, These are in Iraq and Syria. There's a ton of questions on this story, to be sure. People are not quite sure, again, what we're doing if, if Iran is not being targeted directly back. I guess the questions people are asking is, uh, does this continue to escalate forward? Does this serve as any deterrent? Or uh, is are we just kind of playing a back and forth game, a cat and mouse game until something else happens in the Middle East? Uh, let's start off the broadcast here, and I'm going to start off with Sargis Sangari is here. He's a retired lieutenant colonel, U.S. Army Infantry and Special Operational Forces. Uh, more than a couple of decades of military experience, uh, been overseas many times, and uh, and just a great voice of clarity. What's What I like, what's interesting about Sargis, he brings is that he was, he was born in that area of the world, and uh, now is a great American and serving our military here, so he's always a great voice to have on. Also beyond the program here up front will be Del Wilbers here. It's great to have Del back on here. He's a former CIA Department of Defense intelligence counterterrorism officer, uh, served all over the world and has worked in many areas around the world and uh, always has a, a keen insight on things. Uh, anxious to talk to both of these guys and uh, uh, get, a, get a scope of what they see happening out there. All right. So everybody was wondering when, uh, you know, there would be some sort of retaliatory strikes. There's been upwards of uh, 160, 170 strikes against uh, American troops forces. Most of them have been caught. Of course, everybody was waiting for when there was bloodshed, uh, and that has just happened. There was a strike coming out of Jordan just this past week uh, with three U.S. troops killed uh, and and dozens uh, injured, some quite seriously, uh, frankly. So, Sargis, let me start with you, please. And um, 
You know, when we talked last, we thought it was only a matter of time before something happened, before there was blood uh, shed, and there we see it right there. They've come pretty close a few other times, actually. Some of these things have been just off some of our ships. I see one was about a mile off, almost seconds away from hitting, and a ship would have been quite devastated. What's the impact of this right now and these strikes right now, do you see? What, what do we get out of it right this moment, sir? Look, uh, these are your strikes. Uh, whether or not they're going to have a strategic uh, deterrence, um, more likely no. Uh, Iran will continue to do what it wants to do within the region to include uh, pursuing its uh, uh, possibility of uh, nuclear capability. And I just don't see um, anything that will change in the long-term strategic outlook that Iran has for the region. So uh, we'll uh, we'll hit a few targets, and uh, but I don't know if we're serious about trying to go after Iran. Well, listen to this now. The the Iranian foreign minister, uh, Sarge, said uh, in a statement, the attacks represented, listen to the words here, uh, and I quote, another adventurous and strategic mistake by the United States that will result only in increased tension and instability. And and actually, Hamas had something to say about this, too. And they said, well, you know, Washington was just pouring oil on the fire. Oh, boy, this is a rich statement, I'll tell you. Um, obviously, they, usually they let their mouths run here. You get anything out of that, out of those comments? Yeah, I think what uh, he's saying from his perspective, he doesn't believe that the uh, U.S. understands Iran's uh, vision for that region <laughs> for themselves, you know. And look, as much as we say, um, you know, they should have the same focus that the United States has, every country has their own wants and desires. If you take a look at the uh, pursuit of Iran's nuclear program, and I just was having this talk with a friend of mine yesterday, looking at the map as far as nations that are around Iran that have nuclear capability. Well, Pakistan has nuclear capability and that borders Iran. Russia has nuclear capability. They border Iran through the Caspian Sea. India has nuclear weapons and they're basically tied to Iran through Pakistan, which is a nuclear power with one state removed. China is a nuclear power within the region and China's tied directly one state removed through Pakistan or Afghanistan to Iran. And then North Korea is a nuclear power to include Israel. Uh, Israel itself has somewhere around 90 nuclear uh, weapon capabilities, Pakistan 165, India 160, China 350, North Korea 45, Russia 6,000 plus. So for Iran, even before the Ayatollahs under Shah, looking at the possibility that they would have to become a nuclear power was to them just a geographic reality. Because if you're looking at the nine nations of the world that are nuclear powers right now, and you exclude United States, Britain, and France, every other nuclear power in the global world is tied to Iran geographically, directly. Mm, so the issue wow. you have is that I think we never understood that from day one to include yeah. when the Shah was looking at why Iran wanted to be a nuclear power, specifically sitting in a region where everything, whether you like it or not, geographically goes through Iran and Iran becomes a key piece, whether it be through the Southern Caucasus, mm -hmm. into Afghanistan, into China, uh, and the rest of the Middle East. Interesting point, Sarge, I should bring up there. That map, uh, it's a very interesting uh, map that shows the world and all the nuclear activities. We'll put that map in the uh, post when this does go to uh, podcast networks uh, late uh, Sunday afternoon, friends. 
Uh, it is an interesting uh, juxtaposition of looking at all the countries. But the point you just made, I find fascinating, Sargis, that we never really think about. And that's all the strategic nature of the countries who have nuclear weapons, who are on the other side of the fight of good and evil. That's the way I would represent this to you. Uh, that you, we never, I never looked at, I don't think many of us have connected the dots to really look at that. And boy, that just tells you uh, the firepower out there. The problem is if these things fall into the more radical minds who absolutely would use them, not hesitate for a second because they embrace death and they have no problem with it whatsoever. That's we've been so far. The world has been able to stop that point off. But that looks like a day is coming soon where that's not going to be the case. And the more these radical people get their hands on these kinds of weapons, I think all bets are off on this planet. Is that a fair assessment, Sargent? Yeah, I mean, every time you give a, a weapon to somebody who's crazy, and, you know, <laughs> it, 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 they could use it. Look, but we always underestimate these things, too. Take a look at what we said about Russia, that Russia could result to nuclear bombs if we actually support the Ukrainians who actually do conduct airline battle to win and take back their own territories and their inside their own borders. Mm -hmm. And pretty much right now, a couple of years removed, we realize that Putin, as much as we say he's a dictator, more likely may not use it at the tactical level. There's a possibility because that's what they have done, given those uh, abilities to their commanders. But whether or not is going to be used. And then the other piece, if you look at there's nobody as crazy as um, the guy in North Korea. But, uh, you know, United States has been able to exist in various different administrations to basically not have a relationship diplomatic with him until President Trump came along. But I've said, OK, he's crazy. He'll shoot off missiles every now and then. He's got nuclear bombs, but uh, he's not going to use maybe his 45 nuclear weapons against the U.S. interests. And I think that's what the current administration is looking at. Mm -hmm. And Iran having the ability for a nuclear weapon. As much as we don't like it and we don't want to have them have it, the Chinese don't want them to have it, the Russians don't want to have the Iranians have it because a lot of the so-called allies that Iran has are really don't like Iranians. They don't like Iran's ability and they don't want them to be able to have a nuclear weapon in their hands. However, with that said, uh, the belief is that even if they do get that nuclear weapon, the only person who's going to be at direct threat state-wise yeah. is going to be the state of Israel. That's right. And uh, that's the calculation that the current administration is making, which is why they're still trying to negotiate with the Iranians, saying that it's going to be just another yeah. North Korea. We want to have a relationship with them, but they're not going to use it yeah. to yeah. destroy anything. We remember the days with uh, Donald Trump calling it a rocket man uh, that uh, uh, Kim Jong-un interest in. Uh, he's uh, just a guy who uh, aspires for attention, needs a lot of attention. If you, if you stoke that part of it, he actually calms down. He's like a rabid dog, uh, but you can calm him down if you just give him a little bit of attention on the world stage is what I see with him. Uh, let me get over to Dell Wilbur. And Dell, you had a, a terrific uh, op-ed on the platform. You call it the Iranian Solution. And uh, let me say here, you say, uh, first of all, let me say up front that there's no diplomatic solution when dealing with the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, no agreement or treaty with Iran is worth the paper it's written on. Iran feels no obligation to abide by any agreement with the United States and will never honor anything that goes against their ultimate goal, which is to drive the United States out of the Middle East and replace America as the preeminent power in that important part of the world. Now, I'll say this. To the goal that you put up there as far as Iran itself, uh, uh, let me walk so, slowly here, just a moment with you here, because I think there's an interesting point here. You laid that out even in your opening part of this op-ed here in regards to Iran. You know, 
with all of this, Iran sits back there. They watch everything happen. They know the Biden administration is one of the weakest administrations they've ever seen in power. They also know because they dealt with Obama and they got what they wanted with Barack Obama. This is obviously an extension of that administration. We, we understand that. And so now they know, uh, to your point here, um, that uh, Iran feels no obligation to buy any agreement with the United States will, will not honor anything. Their ultimate goal is to drive us out of there. And actually, there was quite a bit accomplished with that in regards to the influx of China coming into the region, uh, the vacuum that's been created, the lack of leadership uh, out there after the exit of the uh, the success of the Abrams Accord on the Trump administration. All of that has kind of dissipated. They were ready to sign some. In fact, some people believe that's why Iran had Hamas strike when it did, because peace was actually closer than it had been. So I think that's an interesting starting point. And with Iran and with the Biden administration, they know what's going on here. And the Biden administration keeps saying, we don't want war, we don't want war, we don't want war. Iran knows that. And they're playing to that point. And it looks like Iran is the smarter one in this fight. And they're using their proxies. Hell, they're getting away with murder, Dell. What do you say about that? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, for having me on, Malcolm. And uh, the thing that I would say is, as I mentioned in my uh, column, is that uh, uh, successive administrations, uh, going all the way back to Jimmy Carter, uh, simply have no idea how to deal with Iran. And this current administration, you know, uh, this this national security team that we have now with uh, Jake Sullivan as the national security advisor and and uh, the SecDef Austin, I would not put these guys in charge of the deep fryer at a McDonald's restaurant. Okay, they they are that weak. And and that's what we have dealing with this this current crisis that we have facing our nation right now are a bunch of people that have not a clue what in the hell they're doing and, and, and how to respond to this. First of all, nobody, you know, in their right mind wants to engage in a war. Uh, we've been in, in war now for the last, you know, 20, 25 years. And, and, and it has worn down our military. You know, obviously uh, the Colonel could, you know, could comment on that. Our, our military has been, has been run down and worn down uh, as a result of all of these, uh, these wars that we've been involved in in the last, you know, couple of decades. Uh, so nobody wants to to go to war. But when you say that, you need to immediately follow it up to the Iranians with, you know, yeah, we don't want to go to war, but by God, we're ready and willing and able to if that's what it takes. You guys keep this crap up and we'll we'll take care of business. We're not worried about going to war. It's something we'd prefer not to do, but by God, we're ready. You know, that's how you deal with these people from a position of strength. That is the only thing they respect. It's the only thing they understand. And and for us to use mealy mouthed, you know, comments and, you know, try to to, you know, backtrack on things or try to, you know, uh, be politically correct. Uh, all that does is shows weakness to them and, and they will exploit that. It, it's just it's their nature. It is. It is. To your point, Al, uh, what they said is uh, the uh, defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, uh, he says, we do not seek conflict in the Middle East or anywhere else. But the, but the president and I will not tolerate attacks on American forces. They kept saying we do not want war with Iran. We do not want war with Iran. I seen a clip with the Iranian foreign minister and some of the others uh, just yesterday, Dale, 
where they were, uh, well, sort of laughing in our faces, to be sure, but saying that, well, we hear Washington's words. They keep saying they don't want war with us. They don't want war with us. So we kind of know that. Uh, it, so it is a point of weakness, and it's the opposite of peace through strength uh, that uh, Reagan put out on the on the world stage many times over. Uh, it's the opposite of that. It shows weakness clearly. But the administration keeps doing it. Back to your point of Jake Sullivan uh, and the other doofus there, who uh, all of them are ridiculous on the, on the world stage. They keep doing the same thing, Dell. every time they get to a microphone. It's the first thing they utter. We, we don't want war with Iran. We don't. I mean, what the hell? Why not? You know, <laughs> Why don't we just tell them exactly that you can do whatever you want to do because we're not going to war with you? Isn't that the message they're giving them? Well, absolutely. Like I said, you know, it's all right to, to, to say that that you don't want war. Nobody does. OK, but you don't just say that and leave leave it there. You know, you've got to <laughs> let them know that we are absolutely prepared right. to go to war if that's if that's what's necessary. You know, they, they talk about uh, uh, this being, you know, blood finally being shed. Hell, blood's been shed now, you know, for for a uh, hundred and something attacks. We've had a contractor killed. We've had soldiers uh, and, and other civilians that have been wounded. Yeah. So blood has been shed long before, before we did anything, before we did a damn thing, you're saying, right? I mean, uh, yes, all absolutely. this was done prior to that. Yeah. And here's the other problem I want I want you to address, Dell, is that. So let's listen to this now. We send out. I mean, this is insanity. We we told them in advance that the strikes are coming. We, we informed everybody that we're going to be doing it. So they removed all their high uh, treasured uh, targets, uh, the, certainly the personnel, the, they got all the hell out of Dodge. They all went back into Iran because they know Iran and the uh, Iran proper is safe. Uh, they know that. Iran has pulled this off seamlessly. They have surely outsmarted uh, the Washington puppets by far. And I mean, they've played it brilliantly, really, Dell. I mean, uh, I mean, until something else happens with this thing, I think Iran's the winner in this. What do you say to that? Well, absolutely. I mean, we've got a bunch of Obamunists in uh, in Washington who who haven't a clue what they're doing, you know, and the colonel can uh, can also probably uh, uh, enlighten us on this. But the military has people uh, over there right now and, and in, in other locations of that whose primary function, they're targeters. They put together targeting packages for, you know, uh, potential attacks uh, against our, our, our enemy forces and that. And they have these things made up in advance. We had targeting packages already made up covering just probably any contingency. And yet we waited for was was it six days before we finally responded, giving them, you know, plenty of time to to uh, prepare for it. You know, we should have hit them immediately. Or if if, if we're going to play this game of, of delaying, then we just sit back and we wait. And we wait and we wait and we wait and we let them get their guard down and then we unleash holy hell on them, you know, when the time comes. But we didn't do that. We sat there and gave them advance warning what we were going to do yeah. and they were able to prepare for it. It's it's, it's stupidity. And I would say to you, uh, St. Gary, the last year that he's in power here, this we got really one more year to, uh, until next January that that he's there. I, I think we're at the most risk right now. I've been talking to experts in a lot of uh, areas here who believe that we're at the greatest risk right now in these next many months before he's out of power there uh, as well. Um, it's 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 a it's a notable point, is it not? 
It, it is, but uh, I agree with Dell. Uh, we have never had, United States has never had a strategic foreign policy reference to Iran. And what has happened with administration after administration as they have come in, they've taken somewhat of the previous administration's ideas and kind of kept them in place and moved forward with a twist on their own. Hold on. The only one that didn't do that was Donald Trump. He changed the whole card deck out there, right or wrong? He did. He did. Uh, He he was starting to set the base for a possible foreign policy against Iran. The problem was, again, four years, he's out. Even if he comes back in, he's going to be there for four more years. And then he's going to be out. Whoever comes after him either is going to continue or not. That's the problem we have. So our foreign policy is not as aggressive as it needs to be to develop the situation with Iran and its populace. That's the problem. Look, even under Reagan, uh, you know, we had the uh, arms, uh, basically, uh, and a contrary issue that took place. It has after our hostages were taken, after they were released by the Iranians, but Iranians not even apologizing to this day for what they had done. Even under Donald Trump, when we initially put sanctions against Iran, we kept the port of Trabajar open, off the sanctions list in Iran for the uh, Indian government to build that port uh, in order to be able to run a railhead by the Iranians into Afghanistan. So it could help us geographically possibly put some pressure on the PAC government in order to bring the Taliban to the table. So even under Trump, we had to do some of those um, uh, moves in order to be able to right. well, let me ask have you our this. strategic uh, visions I, in the region. I want to I want to have a little more advanced conversation with both of you on this next point here. What happens next? Uh, we go we again. We, we just laid out the situation where we're at right now. What happens next, uh, uh, Colonel? Starting right now, uh, that you see how number one, this administration is going to play it, and what's what do you what's the mindset right now of Iran? They're sitting back there. They got to be lighting the, the the biggest, most expensive cigars ever, and just laughing their asses off at what's going on out there. They have to be. Uh, wh- what are they thinking? What what happens next, please? I, I think the next is Iran will eventually become a nuclear power either under the current administration or the next administration or the following administration. I, I just until we develop a coherent foreign policy against Iran, I think that's what's going to happen. And then, unfortunately, Israel now will have to deal with a, a nuclear Iran. And I don't think the United States really, under the current administration, whether we agree with it or not, I don't think they care. I think they look at it this way: for a nuclear weapon to become be put on a uh, you know intercontinental ballistic missile, Iran doesn't have that capability. What does Iran have the capability on being able to reach out to its neighborhood with a nuclear weapon? And as far as the U.S. is concerned, if you're looking at leaving the Middle East, I don't think they care under the current administration. It is just a reality until well, hold on, now. If they did that, out, it, it is what it is. I've talked to plenty of folks on this about this nuclear. If they did, you're right to the point of because the deterrence is not happening. Let's say they get the nuclear weapon. I understand, and you tell me now, that if they have it, they're going to use it almost immediately because their desired goal is, number one desired goal is death to Israel. That's the number one. Uh, that, to wipe them off the map, they, they played that, that's stated very clearly in every one of their debates and arguments here. So if they do that, Israel's going to know that in advance. From what I understand from experts in Israel, they would strike first as soon as they know that's the case, and they would have to unleash their nuclear weapons on Iran. Now you'd have uh, before they could get because, like you know, it would wipe Israel right off. Any targeted strategic explosion there would just kill the entire 
you know, uh, advancement. And uh, I mean, it would just kill Israel totally and be done. I mean, it's a well, tiny, I mean, it, tiny state. Yeah, it, it, it would have it would it would d damage every state between Israel and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Iran. We're talking about fallouts. Nuclear fallouts that will take it place. become unlivable. It become it, unlivable. Currently. I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole region is. I mean, globally, we're going to suffer. You're going to have the fallouts reach out all the way into the United States if that happens. They, look, the 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 it the problem is Israel cannot do it alone. Israel right now has two hundred fifty thousand displaced, internally displaced uh, Israelis within its borders. Uh, Israel on October 7th uh, had that sophisticated border breached. Mm -hmm. Israel is fighting house to house inside of uh, Gaza. Israel would have been in a much better position um, being able to maybe uh, um, exert its own will, not what the, the global polities, to include the United States, are exerting their will on Israel if it had its own manufacturing capability for all of its weapon systems. And a couple of years ago, I have no clue why Israel decided to take its dumb weapons and basically say, okay, uh, United States, we'll, we'll get it from you guys. We won't manufacture only internally to ourselves and put them in that position. Israel has to handle, uh, I mean, hundreds of uh, uh, thousands of missiles but the strategic reserve that Iran has, which is called the Hezbollah, raining in on them uh, if if that fight takes place. And they're just not going to be able to do it. The Iron Dome is so, not going to be able on. to you hold it you, off. You don't think, let me just clarify something, please. Are you saying that you believe that Israel will, real question here now, will not be able to defend itself against that state of Iran and Hezbollah to thought that they will not be able to sustain that? They do not have enough weapons, aircrafts, capabilities that can go out and touch every single missile once it comes in. Eventually, one of them will get through. Gotcha. I mean, that's just a reality. If U.S. isn't there to back it up, they can't. United States would have to take out as many of those Hezbollah targets as possible. Israel does have some sophisticated capabilities tech-wise that we still haven't seen, they haven't right. shared. But, right. I mean, right. look, right. In, in a fight, anything yeah. can happen. Well, and they have to be right, to your point, they'd have to be right 100% of the time. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Israel would have to be right 100% of the time. Anything gets through, and it's going to do severe damage if it's got to nuclear warheads uh, right there on it so it does leave the mind to wander here uh dale let me have you back in on the talk here and uh it, it, again i ask you the same thing i just asked the colonel here i mean right now we, we know the lay of the land you, you you know you talk about the iranian solution pretty strongly in your piece i mean i think everybody understands what's going on there what, how do you see in your mind your vision this playing out and surely the next year and right in the immediate future sir well, let me uh, go back a little little bit of a history lesson here. What did Richard Nixon do uh, when the the uh, uh, Vietnam War negotiations were going on between the North Vietnamese and and uh, the U.S. Uh, and the North Vietnamese got up and walked off from the table? Nixon mm -hmm. mined Haiphong Harbor and uh, initiated Rolling Thunder, uh, which was a massive bombing campaign against the North, which which brought the North the uh, North Vietnamese back to the negotiating table and ultimately you know we 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 were able to to leave vietnam you know peace with honor supposedly but uh, but that's the point is that is what that's what these criminal regimes understand they only understand strength and power and the commitment and willingness to use it 
We have not shown Iran that going all the way back to Jimmy Carter. You know, Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, for as much as I I loved him as the president, Hmm. okay, Ronald Reagan fell victim to what uh, basically my understanding of the story was is when uh, the the sea. Uh, the CIA CEO, uh, chief of station in, in Beirut was uh, was abducted, uh, Bill ba- uh, Bill Buckley, and uh, uh, Reagan was uh, was actually played the audio tapes of the torture sessions that were taking place mm-hmm. uh, with his captors and, and Buckley, and that more or less contributed to uh, the which which the colonel uh, mentioned, which was the uh, um, the Iran Contra, uh, the arms for hostages. Uh, mistake that was made. And, uh, you know, Iran has been able to run roughshod over successive administrations, uh, up to and including Trump, though Trump was, uh, as the colonel alluded to, was was starting to to lay down a, a, a base of, of uh, policy. Uh, he didn't get uh, to, to move forward with that because of the election, obviously. Right. And and it, were he elected again uh, this November, uh, you're almost starting back at square okay. one because of all of the the deep hole that we have been dug into by this administration. Okay. What does your heart say is going to happen now in the next year in the immediate future? I mean, I know a lot of you guys don't like to speculate, but I think listeners would love to hear from a, a seasoned professional who knows what the hell is going on. What do you see happening now in the immediate future? I don't see any change because of this administration. Uh, they're going to continue with the same game plan that they've had all along because they do not want to risk a war with Iran. So they're going to, you know, they're going to fire a few missiles off, you know, uh, uh, attack a few empty warehouses and, and then pat themselves on the back and say, look what we did. Yeah, no, I, I, I get your point here. Uh, you think about the stupidity um, in this whole arrangement, Sankari. I mean, just think about it. I mean, how what an oxymoron this whole thing is. Let me, let me just get to the crux of a quick point here, and we'll end on this. Iran creates all these proxies all over the place, all around them. They go ahead and they do this. So these proxies can do, get in, they're just, you know, they, they can die, they can do whatever, they don't care. Then naturally, there's, there's no human life that's ever uh, indispensable to these people. That's that's the deal. They set it all up. They sit back there. They empower all these people to go do this stuff and screw up the Middle East and do everything. That It's perfect situation. And then they put out this whole thing like we're the big we're the big bully back here and you can't touch us. And then these United States administration comes down and keeps saying that nobody wants to do anything. Everybody, and then Republicans will say, well, you've got to hit Iran itself. You've got to hit Iran itself. You've got to go and hit inside proper Iran itself. They say, well, no, we can't. We can't. We can't. I mean, this is really what we got in front of us. And none of that's going to change, it appears. So it looks like Iran wins then. I think, is it fair to say that Iran wins this? I mean, could, could we just declare them right now the winner of this whole deal? Oh, look, they have been winning. I mean, Iran sat across the table from all the uh, Western nations and struck a deal. I mean, to do that while you're under sanctions, uh, it's a significant uh, step. So, yeah, when it comes to politically how to win, especially with China being a backer for Iran, uh, sitting on the Security Council, Iran's always going to be in a strong position. The The problem is, again, we don't have a foreign policy. Look, when uh, Soleimani had to be targeted because of one contractor being killed, he was targeted as a head of uh, the uh, the uh, basically the regime savers, 
okay, and he was killed. Uh, take a look at the strikes that happened uh, just yesterday. Uh, United States goes after Iranian proxies, which they had to because they were the ones that were actually the lead for what took place with Tower 22 and our soldiers dying. But when you struck them, you actually struck uh, the force structures that are inside the Iraqi government, uh, Department of Defense, um, and uh, security apparatus. So technically, you declared war against Iraq, which makes no sense to me about these individuals who think they're sophisticated and they understand the yeah. technical process of how this whole thing works. Uh, it's safe to say that uh, um, this is a uh, beyond a volatile situation out there, but uh, we are playing it strategically incorrectly on every level that you can imagine. And every expert knows that. And yet it's happening right in real time. And until people speak out, as I was just doing myself and getting to the point and the crux of the problem, there's never going to be any answers to this thing because it is a point of insanity, friends. It is a point of insanity. What is transpiring right now in foreign policy and what's happening in the Middle East, this conflict. Uh, and for those who bury their head in the sand, and there are a lot of people here in our country who do that, and think this stuff doesn't matter, and uh, many others, including the libertarian movement and many, many others in high places, uh, <laughs> you people are disillusioned and uh, completely out of your minds, your collective minds, uh, because uh, it all matters. There's a price to pay for all of this insanity, and it will be right here at home. Uh, listen, uh, it's all back at news. We've had a complete revamp and restructuring we've been working on for six months and uh, was launched January 1. An amazing platform and network of great voices. Uh, right at the top of uh, America Out Loud, as you know, we say many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. That is a powerful statement, friends. We'll join you just on the other side. You're listening to Viewpoint this Sunday. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, Use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX. Because it works. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. 
Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here. and privileged to be with you always, my fellow Americans and all of our friends around the world. Thank you for joining us on the broadcast here. I want to remind you that it's all back at AmericaOutloud.news. Uh, do help us share the out loud truth and please get back there many times a day and share the share the the essays, the articles, the podcast, the videos, all of it. Just get these get this truth out there to people and wake them up to the out loud truth. That's the most important thing we can do uh, is, is to be the Paul Revere of this generation and warn our generations of the troubles ahead and where we find ourselves. Now, also, AmericaOutloud.shop is our great commerce site. It's our uh, sponsored partners, all the great products to live a healthier life. Uh, you want to check that out. Always use the code OUTLOUD. That's the key to get the negotiated prices and discounts on all of those products. A couple of things now here uh, in the big scope of things on this broadcast. The FBI Director Christopher Wray and his warning to America. Now, listen, I, I've never been a big fan of this particular FBI director or the seventh floor of the FBI, to be sure, the upper echelon. But you could feel the uh, stress in his voice and uh, the place we find ourselves. He was expressing that in the warnings uh, to our country. And you have to listen to that. We did an incredible program on this topic here uh, that is a must listen. He says, Christopher Ray. he says, the CCP's dangerous actions, China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security, make it the defining threat of our generation. Think about that, please. That is no small quote. That is, that, that is listen to what he's saying there. China's hackers are positioning on America's infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc, and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities. If or when China decides the time has come to strike, that is from the FBI Director Christopher Wray. That's an uh, ominous warning. Uh, so we're going to start with this here. Dr. Li Meng Yang joins me now, independent virologist, whistleblower, always calling out the CCP for their recklessness uh, and the things that they're doing around the world. Uh, she was involved, uh, of course, in exposing the whole Wuhan lab thing and that massive cover-up coming out of Beijing, so out of the Wuhan lab. Um, Dr. Li Mingyang, I want to get your thoughts and opinions on this story. We're striking what the FBI director said. We're talking about the assault on America's infrastructure, our water supply, our electrical grids, uh, all of the things that we count on uh, to survive and to have any kind of a life uh, is now being threatened. One of the groups uh, is this uh, Vault Typhoon uh, was uh, a, that they they stopped. But there's a lot of these groups, actually. What kind of risk are we at? Tell me what your sense and feeling is of what what level the CCP will go to when they're targeting America, targeting our infrastructure, doing these kinds of things. Uh, what could you uh, tell us more about that, please? Thank you, Malcolm. I think this is very serious and it's a very urgent issue. 
So let me quote another thing Ray talked in the hearing, the same hearing in the Congress. He said there has been far too little public focus on the fact that People's Republic of China, CCP, hackers are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electronic grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation system, and the risks are posed to every American required our attention now. So briefly, China has spent a long time, decades, to infiltrate and even manage to manipulate critical infrastructure, and these are, these are the tools for them for the future in, um, in these criminal uh, attacks against all the Americans. So let me take one example. It's like, see how much China has infiltrated into your public health system, CDC, NIH, NIAID, and also WHO, of course, and universities. That's why when Xi Jinping released the COVID-19 virus at the end of 2019. Right. Later on, when the pandemic came out, your people, I mean, your, those officers, those experts, all turned to help China to cover it up and cause the pandemic. So this is just one example. China infiltrate and control your public health system, and right. it can cause the pandemic. When, yeah. when, when the FBI director says, if or when China decides the time has come to strike. Let's just talk about that statement just a moment, please. Your your sense on this, do you, with everything you know, I mean, you, you, you've had a lot of attacks, personal attacks. You know the CCP very intimately. You live there. You know what, you know what, you were born there on the mainland. You've been in Hong Kong. You've been all through that area. You know this government. You know what they're about. They've been after you with all kinds of threats. Uh, when he, when the FBI director makes this statement, is it just your feelings, your honest, honest feelings? Do you think it's a matter of time before that they do decide to strike? And it's not it's not going to be I, I believe it's safe to say, Dr. Lingman Yang, it's not going to be a kinetic war. It's going to be something like this targeting our infrastructure, something using technology or some sort of a bioweapon. There's all kinds of things that they're working on that don't involve a kinetic war to take us down. Do you think they would enact and use this kind of thing to disrupt the entire world? Or is this just overblown? Your opinion, please. They definitely have already prepared a lot. And according to CCP's slogan, that is prepared at any time. And Xi Jinping has been the uh, leader for over 10 years. And especially in his period, all of these things are accelerated. And now we don't know what is the exact timing that's when you talk about a full-scale attacks against America. Right. But you should know that there is no that kind of schedule. Everything can happen at any time. There is no schedule that they must release the virus in 2019, but they release and when it gets out of control, they just, oh, like, let it go to the U.S. And uh, it's like all this kind of Hamas attacks in Israel, for example, in Mid-East, that is one part. CCP is behind Hamas, fully supported Hamas as right. we revealed, and right. it's very fine now. It's a good now. point. Yeah, but, it's a good point. Yeah. So... It's, it's just like they want to create chaos. Whenever you are weak, yeah. they will create chaos. Yeah. So one fact is that in the hearing, 
the they said CCP's capacity of these hackers is ten times at least ten times higher than the sum of global hacker capacity. The FBI director actually said if if we if the United States if the FBI put all their resources toward this one problem toward just China that the, that the Chinese hackers would still outnumber us fifty to one. 50 to 1. That's striking, Dr. Lei Yang. Yeah, so the thing is, it's far beyond what China needs to prepare for just the, the Taiwan Street War against the U.S. Right. So their target is not Taiwan or not certain area. It's the United States because you are the beacon of freedom in the world. All right. And uh, two years ago, we have reviewed a confidential PLA audio in their top conference in their meeting. 57 minutes audio, it has clearly mentioned CCP prepare all the military civil things, not only for Taiwan, okay. but for their gotcha. final strategic uh, decisive, uh, decisive uh, trophy. Right. That is against the U.S. Okay, yeah. So, all right. So, a couple of things here, please. Um, before I move to the next story, uh, and I want to introduce you to another gentleman in just a moment. Stay right there, Dr. Lemon Yang. So, let me just mention here, this uh, these warnings and what's happening is a very I, I it's hard for me to express in words, friends. It is a very serious attack on every life here in our country. What is transpiring here? The warning from the FBI director should not be ever taken lightly. What is transpiring here? And it's a massive problem of size and scope. Uh, as well as remember the hot air balloons they were running across the country and all of this and the data and the research and everything they have on us. Remember, we have an open society. We share everything. They share nothing. So they know a lot more about us than we than our people actually know about them. Uh, so there's something to consider about that. I did a full hour a program with cybersecurity experts on both our infrastructure, our cyber, our electrical grids, all of it, with two gentlemen, David Tice and Jim Frelk, uh, both out of, uh, and we had this conversation, uh, just ran yesterday out of DC. Uh, and we were lucky, we were fortunate to get this interview. And that show is on podcast today. On As you listen to this on Viewpoint this Sunday, you can hear it. Uh, go to the front page of News and hear this interview in its entirety and share it, please. It is a very shocking conversation with David Tice and Jim Frelk. It's called The FBI's Dire Warning. Chinese infiltration of America's infrastructure threatens our way of life. That is on the voice of a nation, which now, by the way, is a footnote, plays on Saturday, 10 and 6, same times as Viewpoint on Sunday, opposite of this on Saturday, will be the voice of a nation. And you'll get that every week, a deep dive into one of the biggest problems that week uh, that, that uh, you, you know, we, we are experiencing. It's a news magazine. Uh, so do get and share that information out there. I want to move the show along now and uh, bring on a gentleman. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Stein joins us here, and he's an engineer, energy consultant, speaker, author, uh, many, many different uh, uh, talents Ron has, and he's the founder of PTS Advance um, as well. Uh, he's got a fascinating book he wrote with another gentleman, uh, Todd Royal, but uh, that he authored, uh, Clean Energy Exploitations. 
helping citizens understand the environmental and humanity abuses that support clean energy. And they get into a deep dive there. That is available in any bookstore and surely in the America Out Loud bookstore as well. That's in our menu and our navigation bar. And on the front page of our platform, you'll see a lot of books there. And that one is right in there. I encourage you to look at that. Got a fabulous op-ed on this topic I want to talk about next and educate Americans as to what's going on. Uh, And this article you wrote, Ron, the dependency on China and blood minerals, human rights abuses for EV batteries supported by our government. And you say here, both human rights abuses, environmental degradation are directly connected to mining the exotic minerals and metals required to manufacture these EV batteries. And you talk about uh, the children used to produce the lithium for the EV battery is appalling. Uh, you're getting to quite a few, quite a bit on this. Uh, and, and and by the way, a, a point to start with, Ron, is that the Biden administration in 22 made a declaration that the batteries from China are tainted by child labor and a report by the U.S. Labor Department exoriated uh, clean energy supply chains for using forced labor. Uh, the march toward uh, more blood minerals continues. Give us a sense, please, of how big this problem is and uh, what Americans need to know, Ron. Uh, we definitely want to go green, but we're not willing to go green with the materials to go green. Uh, all the lithium and cobalt for batteries is coming from, you know, South America, which is controlled by Chinese. And, uh, you know, the South America and Africa has a lot of these minerals, which is all controlled by the Chinese. We control none of it. And the exploitation we talk about in the book is this stuff is being mined by kids, you know, six years old by hand. Hmm. There's no environmental controls. We're exploiting people that have yellow, brown, and black skin. The environmental degradation is atrocious, but it's okay. It's on their land, not our land. And I, I basically made a statement. I won't buy an EV for ethical and moral reasons. Because after writing the book, I know where the lithium and cobalt's coming from, and I'm not willing to financially support that. On the contrary... Our government is. They're providing financial incentives for China. Continue exploiting people of yellow, brown, and black skin. Continue the environmental degradation of your land. That's okay. And I think it's ethically and immoral for the government to do that. But we're so focused on going green that that's the direction we're going in. Uh, Ron, your your point is taken with the human uh, rights abuses and all of that. And I get that. And that is reason enough not to do it. But the other reason not to do it is that these EV batteries suck. They don't work. I mean, I, how, how much more English can I give you uh, that uh, they're not effective? And what it takes to produce one of these in a Tesla, you point out in your op-ed piece, you talk about, uh, oh, my golly, here, it's shocking what you have here. Uh, to, you must produce 25,000 pounds. I mean, you get right into it, the lithium and the cobalt, 5,000 pounds and the nickel and the uh, and the copper. And all told, just one Tesla EV battery requires the processing of more than 500,000 pounds of material somewhere on the planet. Speak about that, please. That's true. It's 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 hard to get. And you got to move 500,000 pounds of earth to get the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel, the manganese, the copper, the aluminum, and that's for an EV car. Now, here in California, they want to have 18-wheelers go electric. Well, the 18-wheelers have a 16,000-pound battery, and 
instead of moving 500,000 pounds of earth around the world to get the uh, material for one car battery, you're going to have to move a million pounds of earth to get the material to build a truck battery. And again, it's over there. It's okay. It's only we can't see it. It's a double standard. Well, you know, Ron, there's this whole thing with the rare earths and all of the things that you're talking about here that are predominantly coming from, as you say, China and, and Africa and other areas, not in the United States. Yet our government is doing this whole green thing, um, what have you. Uh, and we're the only ones that uh, sub- they want us to subscribe to all of these life uh, destruction and threatening conditions And yet the people who are doing this are laughing at us because they're not doing any of it. They don't give a rat's ass about green. Uh, The only green they want is money. Uh, And they exploit anybody, everybody all day long. But we don't even have access to the materials, even the wind and solar or any of that crap. We don't hate, we don't hate, forget all the stuff that it doesn't work and they're killing the birds and all of that stuff. We don't even have the materials to produce this garbage. I mean, who would make such a decision like this, Ron? Who? (laughs) <laughs> Our government, that's who, you know, the government really starts with the word energy. They do not understand the word energy. They say wind and solar energy is going to replace oil. What well, can't, Malcolm, because wind and solar only generate electricity. They manufacture no products for society. And on the contrary, if you get rid of oil, you get rid of wind and solar because all the parts to make wind turbines, all the parts to make solar panels are made with oil derivatives manufactured from crude oil. Yeah. And it's a total misunderstanding. They they think wind and solar is going to replace crude oil, but they make no Well, hold on now, Ron. A, a serious question. Do you think it's, is it a, really a misunderstanding or is this an intentional exploitation, sir? I think it's dumb and dumber. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. because, you know, they want to get rid of oil. Now, knowing, basically knowing that wind and solar cannot make any products for hospitals or yeah. electronics, et cetera, et cetera. When I see them basically wanting to get rid of oil, I say, do you really want to get rid of hospitals and communication? Let's just get rid of the 21st century, Ron. We're, you're right. We're going back to the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. 1800s, we had no oil. We also had no infrastructure, and there was no medical industry, no communications. Uh, no- I mean, the whole thing is such is so insane, Ron. I mean, it's like I, you know, I don't know what these people are on, whether it's opium or crack cocaine or what they're doing to the guy in the United States government. I have no idea, but it, none of it is logical. None of it makes sense. It's all self destruction. It's ridiculous on its face. Stay right there, Ron. I want to get a I want to get an opinion from Dr. Li Meng Yang to rejoin us here on the broadcast. And I, what I want you to speak about specifically, Dr. Li Meng Yang, is this uh, human rights abuses. Now, let me just just a specific question in regards to China, because I know a lot of the energy and the stuff that Ron was just talking about is not your expertise, and that's not what I'm asking about. I'm asking about the human rights abuses, the CCP and the Chinese government. Do they give a, a rat's ass about human rights abuses? Do they use child labor to do these kinds of things? How much are they willing to exploit human beings uh, on this level? I mean, what do you know about this? Oh, Malcolm, I think Ron's book reveals a very good uh, issue that these, these laborers in China, they have no human rights. I mean, everyone in China has no human rights. That's a fact. And just because of the 
cognitive interference propaganda from China. It fooled the Western world. I mean, I come from China. I know. Don't talk about human rights and don't talk about green. There is no green. They only will show you all the green on PowerPoint. And so the thing is, as I know, it's even worse, much worse than only children. Let me tell you, there is a big factory, secret factory, uh, industry, not only factory, sorry, in China, which is called prison industry. That is totally controlled by CCP, and uh, this is kind of underground industry. They force the prisoners to work for the high uh, contaminated, high uh, radioactive, or this kind of harmful uh, works, and then the cost is very low. So not only genes come from the prison in China, Basically, I think, and Ron, I'll just ask you a final question here, but, and, I, and I'm going to speak pretty plainly with you right in the next moment here, so block your ears if you don't want to hear it, but he is pretty well bent on making the United States of America into a third world shithole. What do you say to that, Ron? You may be 100% correct. The thing that disappoints me is they're unwilling to participate in a conversation. You know, for example, they want to get rid of oil. Do you really want to get rid of the hospitals? Do you really want to get communications? Uh, here in California, we basically reduce our oil production to the point that when the oil embargo hit 50 years ago, California was 5% dependent on foreign oil. And the Department of Energy was formed to make sure that didn't happen again. Well, 50 years later, California is 60% dependent on foreign oil. We got nine international airports we got 41 military airports and the entire military and all the shipping ports are being run by foreign oil. That's a American decision. And there's no conversations. You know, I'm all for getting rid of oil, but there's no backup plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not for getting rid of oil. I don't support that at all. And uh, <laughs> I think we can have that in our lives and, and still be conscious Americans and conscious human beings and do the right thing, Ron. But I don't support at all getting rid of oil. I think the more oil, the more fossil fuels, the more CO2 we have, the more carbon, the more we can breathe, the more everything looks green, the more the world looks beautiful. What do you say to that, Ron? You're 100 percent correct. That's our lifestyle. And I don't want to go back to the 1800s. Uh, that's <laughs> we're going backwards. Yeah, there you go, right there. Now, Ron is, uh, as you hear Ron there, he is a, a regular contributor. He's a weekly writer, columnist for the network here on the platform. And he's doing some pretty amazing work, I have to admit to you. Really, he is. His, his, uh, he's thinking outside the box a bit here. His uh, articles, his op-eds, uh, definitely be reading them every week here. And uh, this last one, the dependency on China and blood minerals, uh, human rights abuses for EV batteries supported by our government. My friends, my fellow Americans, it's like this. If you or your friend or your relatives are buying EV, you need to read this article. You need to figure it out here and see what's going on on multiple levels. The fact that they're not sustainable is one reason. The fact that they're exploiting children, if you have a heart and a soul, might be another reason. I can give you, there's a whole barrel load of reasons why you probably don't want to buy that. Uh, my friends, that's all the time we have here. I, I think we've, we've done a pretty good lift here today uh, in the broadcast. Uh, we've covered a lot from all over the world here. Be sure to please get back and help us share this out loud truth back at AmericaOutloud.news. It is vital that we get this information around the world and we wake people up to the truth here. Thank you for joining me on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud. 
America. <laughs>